Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? Phil Smith here, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, with the Jags Den podcast. It's It's been a while. I'm joined here with the Jags, uh, the Jaguars wire guru, James Johnson. How you doing there today, buddy? You hanging in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, w- it was a tough one, but I'm I'm still here. It w- it was even harder to type and tweet and like sit through it. Like I've never had to, you know, sit through such a horrible game. But now I kind of have to watch it, which is hard, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have the same responsibilities as you do, so I turned it off in the fourth quarter. So I'm sorry that you had to sit there, and but you know you stuck it out for us, and we really appreciate it. But man, what a difference a week makes, huh? Last week, the Jaguars and and the whole city were you know just the the talk of the NFL town, and thinking you know, hey man, what what uh, what is the ceiling for this team? Uh, the defense looked great. The the running game looked fantastic. And then today, uh, you know, they get off to a good start. They go up 3 nothing, And then, man, from that point on, it was just a mess. And we're here to talk about it, you guys. And, uh, oh, boy, we'll try and mix, a, as a, you know, as much positivity in here as we can. But it's still so fresh. But, Jay, why don't you uh, – um, we'll, we'll start here with just the numbers, which of course aren't great. Uh, why don't you go over some of the key st- statistics from today's, today's matchup with Tennessee? Yeah. So, uh, of course the one that sticks out the most off the top of my head, cause I just lost track of my box score, but the one that, uh, sticks out the most, of course, was the three turnovers by Bortles. Of course he had two interceptions and, uh, it was a, I think he fumbled one, which, I think it was Brian Arakpo they got to. So, you know, that's never good. That puts you in a bad predicament. Although I will say at halftime, the Jags definitely were still in it. It was three to six, despite all the mistakes they had made. Uh, the, the Titans had made some some equal mistakes as well on the other side of the ball. And, uh, you know, that kept them in it. And, I mean, at that point, you know, you, you got to go into the half with a fresh mindset like, hey, we still into this game. But. After that, that's when it just all went downhill after that. Um, you know, <laughs> it was uh, just terrible to say the least. But I think, I mean, in the end, what happened was the defense, you know, they had been on the field too much and too often, and they had been given the short side of the stick as well. So that didn't help them as well. And the floodgates at that point just opened up dramatically, and the Titans took it and ran from there. Yeah, it was it was a weird game to watch because I was even just talking to a, a friend about it while we were while the game was going on, and it was yeah they were playing bad, but it it, it just took a while for the route to to actually finally start happening because you you still felt like for some reason maybe they were still in it. You know, Mariota, it's not like he lit the world on fire day, fifteen for twenty seven, two hundred fifteen yards, a touchdown, and then a, you know a garbage time interception. Um, he had a QBR of thirty one point eight. So it's not like he was lighting us up. You know, Derrick Henry had a solid game, 14 carries, 92 yards, and that touchdown. 
Um, it, it was really more so. I think really this game was really more about bad Jaguars as opposed to good Titans. What do you think? Yeah, it was much more than. Uh, yeah, I, I will say that it wasn't the fact that the Titans are that good. It's just the fact that the Jaguars became the Jaguars and the turnovers came into play. Also, the offensive line that came into play as well. And, you know, the Jaguars couldn't run the ball. I mean, they had their moments, but they couldn't run the ball as well as they did against the Houston Texans, which, you know, that that ultimately hurt them big time. And um, just in referencing that last game, one thing that I noticed was the offensive line. They were firing off the ball reaching the second level this time around they were getting beat at the point of attack uh people were getting in the backfield at times and i I know a lot of people are gonna like harp on how well fournette looked at times but if you look at a lot of his runs and chris ivory's runs one thing that stood out to me was they had to make those runs themselves you know a lot of those were a lot of broke tackles and just fighting for extra yardage which isn't good on the Jaguars offensive line part and if if they continue that trend it's going to be a long long season man yeah just to continue off that as far as the running game Leonard Fournette uh, 14 carries 40 yards and a touchdown uh, Blake Bortles actually had four carries, 29 yards in the running game. Chris Ivory, six carries, 17 yards. And then Corey Grant had that uh, that one run for 13 yards, uh, which uh, should have been a loss, but he actually turned it into some positive yardage, which was nice to see early on. Um, uh, how? Uh, let's see here. As far as the receivers in the absence of Allen Robinson, um, kind of left a lot to be desired. Allen Hearns. Uh, kind of had a misleading stat line: six catches, eighty-two yards. We didn't even hear this guy's name. I don't. I don't. I remember hearing his name when they were announcing the starting lineups, and I didn't hear his name again until the third quarter. And we're going to touch on that as far as you know the absence of Allen Robinson and what 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 has to happen there. Um, but Marquise Lee, seven catches, seventy-six yards, seemed to be the go-to guy for for Blake. Um, and then uh, you know Keelan Cole, two catches, thirteen yards, nothing. Uh, like I said, nothing really to to write home there about anything stand out specifically from the receiving core that you that you saw there, Jay. Yeah, definitely Marquise Lee not emerging as the guy because he's going to have to be the guy. He's the one that that has the better skill set. If you ask me of the remaining receivers, uh, he has the speed. He has the ability to go up for the ball. He's he's good at adjusting to the ball. But as uh, Mike K put it. Uh, I think it was last week on um, the Black and Teal Blitz. One thing about it is, like, he's been getting punked lately, and he hasn't really stepped to the table as the number one guy, which, I mean, they're going to need him to do. Um, He also had some drops, which wasn't good. And um, simply put, if he can't lead this receiver's core, they're really going to be in some some deep trouble. So um, Alan Hearns is more so of a a possessions guy. And, I mean, he, he did have the better day to me between the two but he's not a guy that's going to go out there and be your number one and and replace Allen Robinson I think if it's going to be anybody it's got to be Marquise Lee and then you got like Keelan Cole who who's struggling with drops and you know you could tell that he's a rookie you know it's just going to take some time there and um you know they they really need D.D. Westbrook right now as well who uh I think they could get him back week eight we'll have to see uh, he, he did have hernia surgery, so that's good. That might help, but until then, they're just going to have to tough it out with what they have, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this whole 
everyone got so infatuated with Keelan Cole in the preseason. I mean, he had that one good play, and then really he hasn't done anything, uh, you know, since since then. Um, it's just, uh, well, we'll see what happens as far as the the, the receiving crew goes. So we just kind of want to go into a little bit. A little bit more detail as to specifically what what went wrong. Um, also, as far as uh, when it comes to um, just night and day with this Jaguar scene from last week. Um, of course, last week we know uh, Saxonville got a got a lot of uh, got a lot of attention, and uh, this year actually I, I thought I had heard that um, um, they they actually just said on. Uh, NBC, their their football wrap up show that Jacksonville had no sacks. Miles Jack actually did have one sack earlier on in the game. So, however, the production went from ten to one, and that's not really what you want to see. Uh, Jay, is anything specific that Tennessee's uh, the Tennessee's uh, offense did to really just keep the defense in check? No, not really. In my opinion, when you look at it, Marcus Mariota, the the thing I was the most scared of was Mariota taking off and running. But he only had, looking at the box score here, uh, 24 yards. So he wasn't really the issue. Um, so I, that was my biggest thing. Delaney Walker got loose at times. He had four receptions for 61 yards. But ultimately, he didn't have any touchdowns, so that didn't really hurt him. Uh, that being said, it was just more so the Jags making mistakes on their behalf, specifically on offense, and the defense got tired, of course. But uh, it, w- it was more so the Jaguars' fault than it was the Titans going out there and winning it. I mean, but kudos to the Titans' defense, though. I mean, they did go out there. They did um, get the two or three, was it, turnovers from Blake Bortles? Right, and, right. Um, I mean, you you know, you got to credit them there. But aside from that, on offense, they didn't really do anything to defeat this team, which that's why I'm sketchy on the Titans in general in terms of winning the AFC South. And if they do, I don't know that they would advance in the playoffs because I'm not that impressed with their offense. So that's just me personally. Also, that run game, though, they run game that everybody, you know, talks about and their offensive line didn't really show up. They didn't have all that good of a game on the ground, in my opinion, as well. Murray was shut down. So um, th- this is a team that I-, I guess like the next time we get them, it's going to be in Tennessee and we have to take advantage of their shortcomings. Yeah, I also think the defense just got tired, man. They were out there so long, and they they the field they were uh, you know, special teams, or we were losing the field position battle, and it was really just uh, uh, just just all everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong. So, and, and speaking of that, uh, our our fearless leader Blake Bortles uh, had a not so great game, uh, twenty for thirty four, two hundred twenty three yards, a touchdown. And two interceptions had a QBR rating of 10.4. At one point, uh, his QBR was lower than his number. Um, ESPN, I think, uh, t- um, tweeted that out during the game. That was awesome. Um, now he had two interceptions. One, the first one, you and I kind of talked about this before before we went on. The first one wasn't really his fault. It was a tip ball. Um, still, you gotta get it up a little bit higher, though. It, you know, you can. It's, he's still not totally absolved of blame. The second one, he threw completely behind Marquise Lee, and God, we're four years into this Blake Bortles experiment, and he's still doing that, which is just more proof that he's not the guy. Um, what did you see out of out of Blake? And is there any feasible option or fix for this during the season, or are we just gonna have to ride this out? I mean. Th- Tom Coughlin could 
make some calls and make something happen, but I doubt he does that. So I, I just think this is a matter of writing it out and, uh, you know, just dealing with, with you know, dealing with the, the hand that we have. So if if we're going to land a quarterback, you know, we've talked about this on Jags then before. It's probably going to be through free agency or through the draft. But the thing is, the Jags defense is so talented that I don't know that they're going to be a top five team this time around in terms of draft order. But, I mean, nonetheless, I definitely think that they are gearing up to either get a free agent or either drafting the quarterback. So, in terms of what Bortles look like, uh, as usual, he he looked bad. And and like you said, with the, um, the pass that was tipped up in the air, from um that that he didn't get up high enough still that's something that he has struggled with in the past is getting enough you know trajectory on the ball and and I mean it's been a case of that throughout the case of his career he's had I think the most amount of tip balls of any quarterback in the league which is alarming as well and then yeah like you said with the the ball to Marquise Lee just a terrible throw um and and as you said this just further proves the point that he's not developing that he's the same guy he was basically in his rookie year when he replaced Chad Henney and um the Jaguars are going to need to find an option which might not be in the process of this season or probably be during you know during the postseason yeah and you finally you heard the boo birds out there um I think it was right around right around the third quarter and you can't blame them. It's just a fan base that's just reckless. And, you know, even though J.U. and I don't get to go to games really like we used to, uh, we're still very in tune with the fan base. And, man, are they just so ready and desperate for a winner. The fan base is just they – have, they, they have a great – you know, we have a great fan base, and, and they're ready. Um, and, and we're always just one thing away. Like, man, we just need the right coach. Man, we just need the right quarterback. Man, we just right. need the right this and that. And just none of it's coming together. Um, obviously, there's the – um, uh, you know, there are the usual suspects, you know, of course the Colin Kaepernick, he's still out there. I think the ship has sailed on that. Uh, we won't get really too deep into that. Um, I would have loved to see them, uh, pull the trigger. There were rumors that they were, they were sniffing around talking about AJ McCarron. I think at this point with Andy Dalton struggling so, so much, uh, that the price to get him now is even higher or, uh, he's, now off the market altogether you know so i don't i just don't see that happening of course we talked about in the previous podcast uh um in the future uh, <laughs> drew Brees. uh that would i think that would be pretty great um uh, but obviously we're way away from that but yeah we could be in this spot remember, remember for the longest time we were bad but never bad enough to pick in the top five like we have been recently like we would be somewhere between eight and fourteen and their quarterbacks are there, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger was, was picked right around there. The guy, you can find that guy there, but looking at the, uh, the prospects that are going to be there next season, uh, Sam Darn our next, next, uh, draft, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, uh, Josh Allen, right. That's his name. The, uh, that other quarterback. Yeah. The one from Wyoming. Uh, yeah. Josh Allen. Um, those are the three names you, you hear a lot as far as the top of the draft. So if those guys are going to be coveted and you've seen the trends recently in the drafts, if teams want those guys, they'll give up the assets to go get them. So it's, it's going to be hard to get one of those guys and no one's coming in off the street. We're not calling Todd Bauman off of his tractor <laughs> this time to come, to come play quarterback. Um, 
Yeah, man. Like I said, I think we're just gonna have to to ride it out. One um, another thing we saw just that uh, was a bad habit here this week. Um, I want you to touch on a little bit, Jay? Is is the penalties, man? What just the what is what happened today with with all the penalties? Just shooting ourselves in the foot. What what went on today? Yeah, a lot of those were self inflicted. Like I know there was one. Um, it was a lot of illegal hands penalty, and that was a that was a case last week too. I know Fowler got one last week against the Texans. So it was a lot of illegal hands penalty. Um, Par- Parnell got called for holding, which is no surprise because he's like the king of holding. Um, what else was it, man? It was just a bunch of just dumb, pointless penalties that they just kept piling on. In the end, they ended up with ten for ninety nine yards, which you can't you can't win like doing penalties uh, or causing penalties like that. Surprisingly, last week they also had ten and still won, but I think that was because the the Texans equally shot themselves in the foot just as much. I think they had 10 too. So, but when, when you are the leading team in penalties as the Jags were, I believe in this case, you, you absolutely can't win. And especially on the offensive end, because they struggle to, to get the ball moving as it is like, and taking 15 yards here and 10 yards there. And you know, that just doesn't help their case at all. So uh, they only have themselves to blame for that. And I think this is something that Marone definitely is going to stress when he looks at the game film because he prides himself in being very disciplined. So I think it'll get fixed. At least that issue will. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Um, just like you said, you know, last week was kind of the same thing. It was, but it was, uh, you're not really thinking about that very much when your team is, is is winning so uh winning cures everything so um but we touched a little bit on this uh just a moment ago um of course the first game without Allen robinson he's going to be gone for the year um obviously blake's go-to guy for good reason and man in a a contract year too just you just feel for that for that guy who's worked so hard and um uh, gosh, you said it already. You know who's it's got to be. We feel like it's going to be Marquise Lee, but is is there somebody that maybe we're they're gonna they're gonna bring in a veteran who's available? I I don't have a list here in front of me as to who's available. Is there somebody they can look to to say, hey, come in and give us some kind of stability, or are they just gonna kind of ride it out with the way that it is? I think they've shown that they're gonna ride it out because they signed Max McCaffrey, who's uh, Christian McCaffrey's brother. And they had the opportunity to bring in a guy like Victor Cruz, who Tom Coughlin has ties to. I think he went to – I forget what team it was. It was He went to Chicago and he got cut. He's free right. again. So, yeah, he's a free agent. Like, you would think that's one of the top guys being that Tom Coughlin knows him so well. I mean, and he's a seasoned guy that can teach, you know, even Marquise Lee some things and help out Keelan Cole and whatnot. But they opted not to do that in um, – I don't know if it was stubbornness on Tom Coughlin's part or whatever the case may be. That That's another thing with this team. I, I'm, I might get off topic a little bit, but Tom Coughlin has been super stubborn in terms of going out and getting additional help or, you know, getting some help for the team in general, uh, looking at the offensive line especially. So I, I really don't think he will go and find a receiver as well, and he'll probably tough it out with the young guys that he has. So hopefully Keelan Cole emerges Hopefully uh, Marquise Lee proves that, you know, he's worth a new contract next year. And um, Hearns proves that he's worth keeping next year because we can just basically cut him next year without having the cap struggles or whatever or or taking a cap hit. So, you know, these guys got a lot to prove. That's what's crazy about it. They have a lot to prove. Like, essentially, those two are on contract years. 
And so far, it's just kind of been lackluster on their behalf, at least on Marquise Lee's behalf. So we'll see. What happened? What happened, do you think, with Alan Hearns? He's just a couple years removed from an excellent season. He got that extension. And, you know, just I remember just a couple of years ago where he was, you know, the the darling of Jacksonville. This guy came out, you know, from Miami and uh, became, you know, a, a camp hero and then balled out on the field. What happened to Alan Hearns? Dude, it's, it's as simple as this. And same with Marquise Lee while he's struggling as of this year is because they need Allen Robinson is why as they are complimentary guys that needs a number one to take all the attention. Allen Robinson is a guy that that is excellent in getting 50-50 balls. He demands a lot of attention in the red zone. And now they don't have that. So the guys on the outside that they, they have now in Lee and Hearns, they're just getting beat up in man-to-man coverage, point blank, period. And, you know, they, they don't have that threat of Allen Hearns to alleviate the pressure off of them. So I've always saw those guys. I mean, if you notice, when Allen Hearns had that breakout season, a lot of that was because of Allen Robinson on the other side of him, who also had a thousand yards. And I think he had, what, 13 touchdowns or something like that. He went to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, it was an So, I mean, like they just need that big time presence on the on the right of them or the left of them. I think everyone just kind of got caught up and like, oh, man. It's Keenan and Jimmy all over again. Like, this is so great. And I think what we're learning is Alan Hearns, not only is he not Jimmy Smith, he's not even Keenan McCardell. Uh, Keenan McCardell, um, I, man, uh, for, for those <clears throat> excuse me, for those younger Jaguar fans, was God, he was so good. And, uh, you know, Alan Hearns is unfortunately not that guy. Um uh, he just doesn't uh, just doesn't have. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Not having a Rob out there is just uh, just a huge blow. And and just, and with the injury, you know, with the with not you know non contact, just oh man, too, you feel for that guy. So hopefully he does get uh does get rewarded based off of what he's done thus far. Um, another thing we want to get into, of course, only one sack this this week. So the uh, Saxonville mantra, um, I think, is probably going to go away at least for for a little bit um we don't really put a lot of this on the defense uh, more so on the struggles of the offense so as we already talked about they were just they were out there for so long i think they they got tired uh do you think do you think the this this week is more representative of who the jaguars defense is last week or maybe somewhere in the middle i think they're somewhere in the middle and on the line, I will say this, they, they do struggle with the run because, and I think Mike K said this too, it, to me it kind of seems like aside from Calais Campbell, they're built more to be pass rushers instead of run defenders. So that might be a big issue with them. And then not to mention Malik Jackson was was out of the equation. He uh he I think he left in the fourth quarter or third quarter with the groin injury, so we'll have to monitor that. But, yeah, I don't. The the performance that we saw on, what was it, week one against the Texans, not to discredit the Jaguars, but that, that isn't going to typically happen where you have 10 sacks. I mean, it was a, a franchise record for crying out loud, but that isn't going to typically, typically happen. And then Calais Campbell on top of that had four of the sacks. He's very good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but that that isn't going to happen on the regular for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, don't get me wrong. I will say that they are probably along the lines of a top eight to five defensive line, 
but I don't think like they are good enough to just to win games for the Jaguars as they did week one. So, I mean, the, they're going to have to have some some help from the offense is the bottom line. It's not so much the defense. It's that the people on the other side of the ball need to help them. When you look at last week against the Texans, the offense contributed. They contributed by getting Jason Myers in decent field goal position and getting field goals. And they also contributed 12 points in touchdowns, which was one uh, a pass to Bohannon, and then there was the Leonard Fournette touchdown. So I think they got to help those guys out on the other side of the ball and run the ball so they're not on the field as frequently. Well, that's the thing, though, is I think they're going to have to they're going to have to win us games. The offense is just not good. And then when you get down 10 points, then 17, then 24, you can't run the ball. Right. So, I mean, they were just like I said, they were just hampered by the by their own offense, man. You just yeah. <laughs> there's I mean, not I, really I don't want to cut you hard. off. Yeah, but you, you're right. And the thing is, I think what you were trying to say is the way their offense is built. It isn't built to come from behind is the right. issue. And the way Nate, Nate Hackett and Marone built this this offense was to feed off of the defense and be able to ground and pound the ball, which that I mean, when you get behind, that's not going to help you. So, I mean, there, there's not a lot of vertical concepts in this offense when you get behind. And then, of course, that's probably because the quarterback isn't there. So if they had the quarterback, you know, maybe they would challenge teams vertically and get more explosive plays. But for the time being, they're just stuck with what they have. And that's pretty much just Leonard Fournette on offense. Yeah, just the thought of the thought of <clears throat> of uh, Robinson and, and Hearns and Lee and this this receiver group just being being wasted in their prime. Man, it's just oh man, it's 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 upsetting. So, but you know, we all we all saw it. We all you know kind of have our, our own ideas about what exactly went wrong. We can only dwell on it for uh, for for so long. So next week um, we are off to. Uh, off to London, we have our, uh, our our annual trip over there. We're playing the Baltimore Ravens, who have looked very good uh, early on in the season, who have their their own uh, excellent defense. And uh, our own Jacob DeLawrence actually heading over to the game. He's not bringing us, uh, which is rude, so I'm not sure if he'll still be employed with the Jaguars wire when he comes back. But we'll see. We'll see what he brings us back, if he brings us any any gifts or anything. Um, but um, we're, we know we'll look ahead a little bit to, to that matchup with, with, with Baltimore. Like you said, I, I think really representative of how good this team is, is somewhere in the middle between uh, blowing out Houston and, and getting blown out by Tennessee. I think there's somewhere in, in the middle there and uh, looking ahead, just kind of a really quick preview against Baltimore what's uh what what are a couple things that that stand out that you want to that you want to discuss for that trip well yeah the the Jaguars kind of going to have kind of are going to have a short week when you look at it because of travels on this that and the other which means they have a limited amount of time to get their issues fixed especially one that sticks out the most to me is getting their offensive line issues fixed because the Ravens defense has been very good these past two weeks. And like I said, they, they, they need more time than anything to, to fix this. Um, I think we can expect probably a low scoring game, but then again, I mean, something to, to, to be positive about is that the Jacksonville Jaguars have been successful the last two years over in um, London. And 
though they don't have the best record against Baltimore, I think they played them like six times in the last six years and they've only won two or three. Uh, I do think that the Jaguars feed off the London atmosphere and they, they do tend to, to flourish there for whatever reason. So I, I think that that could be the case. I wouldn't rule it out that the Jaguars could, if they, if it, if it was anywhere that the Jaguars can beat the Ravens, it probably wouldn't be at Everbank or at MNT stadium, but more so in London. So we'll and see. Move the, team to, move the team to London. Is that what you're saying? J- James Johnson, are you saying here first on the Jags end podcast, that the Jaguars should move to London. Comments? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Absolutely Aaron, I not. To, I was trying to bait you into it. Was, okay, go ahead. That's something that you... If we had Bob Kraft on here, and as we all know, that's the New England Patriots owner, or somebody like Roger Goodell, we would ask them that because they're always forever talking about that another a team is needed in London or that they're looking into it, so... But um, hey, like I was saying, on they the, put two teams in Los Angeles, and nobody cares about that. They'll 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 put a team in London eventually. You know what's funny about that? I warned everybody that, especially the Chargers, weren't going to flourish over there. But I mean, the NFL wanted them over there so bad, and they got what they wanted, man. So hey, that's what they get. Like I think they were struggling to sell out a soccer stadium, which holds like twenty. 20,000, 25,000 or something. The combined attendance for the for the Rams and Chargers game was less than the Texas USC game. That's all you really need to know. The combined <laughs> attendance for those two. I am I am willing to put an amount of money that matters to me on neither one of those teams being in LA by 2025. Like it just doesn't work. No one cares. You're it right. just doesn't make any sense, you know? So, anyway, what's going on in LA, man? Like they just <laughs> I don't know why Roger Goodell thought it would be a good idea to move a football team there, but, I mean, I guess he's a genius, and then they just gave him a contract extension for some some stupid reason. But Now, granted, I think Vegas will work. I think that's going to be cool. I think Las Vegas can work because it's it's 16 games. It's going to be like an event every single – or, you know, not 16 games, but, you know, eight games a year. Um, It's not going to be all the time. Uh, I think that's going to be cool. Uh, it's unfortunate that the Raiders have to be the one that that leaves, mm-hmm. uh, that have to leave. They should have moved San Diego to Las Vegas, if anything. Um, I agree. But you know, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, but like you were saying, Jacksonville does seem to play very well in 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 London. Uh, they're over there at Wembley, and uh, they played the Ravens tough the last. I mean, a couple years ago, that was the uh, that was when we beat them at uh, at Baltimore on that last second field goal. And then last year, if I remember, I, I think we, we played them pretty tough as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be low scoring. It, I think it's going to be a little a little boring. Um, but, if, like I said, if we get something in somewhere in between, between both the offense and the defense from what what um, what we got from Jacksonville so far, I think they, they, they should at least be competitive. Yeah, I agree. And for whatever reason – Joe Flacco just tends to make stupid mistakes against the Jaguars. And I know, I think it was the last two years he's been picked off at least twice, if I can recall. But I don't know, he just, when he plays the Jaguars, he's just, he he makes uncharacteristic mistakes. And the Jaguars defense is much better. So, I mean, I think those two aspects alone give them a chance, but we'll see. Then again, they got to go against a, a defense that is uh, third in points allowed this year so they, they they only allowed an average of five points on the year which is going to be tough for Blake Bortles and Leonard Fournette and them but um we'll see we'll see 
Yeah, how many how many points did they end up giving up today? Because I know, of course, they shut out Cincinnati week one. But to be fair, everybody shuts. Uh, you know, almost everybody shuts up <laughs> Cincinnati nowadays. But um, what did the, I can't get it to, to pull up now. Do you know how many points they they gave up this week? Uh, yeah, I can pull it up real quick because I'm uh, Cincinnati. The score was. Oh no, I meant uh, Baltimore. How many points did they give up this week? Ten. Ten to the Cleveland Browns. Twenty-four to gotcha. ten. And then before that, they only gave up zero. Of course, like you said, they shut they shut out the um the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I mean, I'm I'm curious to know who's the the two teams ranked ahead of them though. But that's another story for another time. To be fair, I mean, do we really know how good? Will we really know how good this Baltimore Ravens defense is? Anytime soon, because week one, they played Cincinnati, who just fired their offensive coordinator. Then they just played Cleveland. Now they're about to play Jacksonville, who obviously does not have a a very good offense themselves. So, you know, of course, getting a shutout in the NFL, that's no that's not easy. That's not easy to do. I'm not trying to discredit that. But just saying that the the, the offensive the offensives that they're playing against start to start off the season not so great so we'll see we'll see what happens um if jacksonville can get the run game going and then just kind of i think they are they they've already laid out the game plan for how they need to win um it's just all about execution so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens hey going into week three going into london if if going in and went went one and one i'll take that you know we were we had a good week Mm -hmm. a good solid week of optimism and that's usually more than we get <laughs> for I mean, an entire season. So when we looked at the schedule, I mean, everybody in general, not just me and Jacob when we did the podcast, but just Jags fans in general. I mean, the bottom line was people thought that we had to come away from weeks one and two, at least one and one, which they did. So, I mean, they're, they're in decent position to win the division. And I mean, the AFC South is, is crazy. You never know what will happen. I mean, and you look at the Titans, I wouldn't say they could run away with it when looking at what happened last year, especially. I mean, they they basically came into Jacksonville with with their own in control of their own destiny, playing a team that had nothing to play for, and the Jags still beat them out. So I wouldn't be so confident in them either. So we'll see right. how, it, how it ends up. Yeah, well – that being said, Jaguar fans, you know, just uh, just keep your head up. Um, I, I'd say let's uh, let's as far as the over under at one on um, jumping into pools of mayonnaise, let's keep it <laughs> under, okay, guys. That's not a great look. Um, that looks so bad on the behalf of Jaguar. I, I mean, well, I guarantee you, next week, uh, I think it was uh, I think it was Rob Quinn of the Bills Wire. Who said next week that the Bills will have a blue cheese pool? And I don't, I don't doubt it. I've been to Buffalo. Those fans, man, they they love their Bills, and they'll they'll do anything. It's a, it's an interesting sight. But yeah, let's keep the, uh, l- let's keep the mayonnaise baths at uh, <laughs> under one for the rest of the guys. I mean, I know it's going to be a long season. I know it's hot, but mayonnaise can't be the best thing to jump. I don't. What, you know what? We're not even going to get into that. But we're going to wrap it up here, man. Uh, uh, first off, though, I know we are live while while this all happened. Um, Jay, I don't know if, if you if you saw this. Um, we just want to give a shout out to Donald Glover. He just won an Emmy for outstanding directing in a comedy series hey. for Atlanta, which is amazing. If you haven't seen that show, man, go watch it. That guy is on fire. 
And uh, yeah, I know that has nothing to do with football, but I just wanted to put <laughs> it out because it's it's awesome. So big Donald Jay, Glover fans on this side. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Donald for Spider Man, man, all day. So um, down since uh, down since day one. So, but yeah, Jade, you know, just uh, kind of go over what uh, what you're working on, what kind of projects you're, you're going to see from the Jaguars Wire coming up, and then um, and then I'll close this out. Yeah, I'll probably do a. Um even though I probably should have done it earlier, but I've been so busy with other posts, but there is a five takeaway post that's up with, um, we got a video up by my man, Justin rock. So shout outs to J rock for getting that video up for me. So I uh, check out that article linked in it as well with the takeaways as well. And, um, like I said, I'll do an instant analysis or an analysis post probably later tonight. So look forward to that. Uh, we'll we'll do some stock up and stock down in terms of whose stock is up on the team and whose stock is down, and then we'll just start looking ahead to um to the Ravens and uh, the London trip as well. So I might get another Jags Den podcast popping if I can get Phil and uh, Jacob on. Uh, but uh, look out for Twitter on that kind of news. So at uh, at sports underscore Don is where you can find me on Twitter, of course. At the Jaguars Wire is where you can find the handle. At the Jags Den Podcast is where you can find the podcast. And uh, that's it for me. Yeah, man, these uh, these podcasts are going to come uh, come a lot more frequently. Um, things are finally starting to even out around here. Um, once again, I'm Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino. That's um, where you can find me at all social media. That's Filipino, F I L I P I N O. Jay, it was awesome Awesome to be able to do this with you, man. I, I miss doing it. Uh, it was a rough sports weekend with me. Texas had that heartbreak loss to USC. Jacksonville got got drummed. And then uh, and the Cowboys, I turned that game off pretty quickly, too. So uh, <laughs> it was a tough weekend, man. So to get on and at least talk to you about this was uh, felt good. So Jaguar fans, we will we'll see you next week. Don't dwell on this too too long. It's a, um, for too long. It's a it's a lengthy season. We'll see. Uh, we will see what happens. But until next time, once again, Jags Den podcast. Keep up with the Jaguars Wire for all the latest and up to date Jaguar news. Uh, everybody, be safe and have a good night. <laughs>